So I want to talk about crappy childhoods today. Not in some way that allows us to victimize ourselves and blame our current lives on our traumatic experiences or our crazy parents, but instead using and embracing those experiences to become our very best and to shine our brightest. There's a whole philosophy of life that says that we grow the most when we face adversity, but that's not always easy to recognize when you're in the thick of it. Many of us had less than ideal childhoods. You may have grown up in poverty or with abuse or divorce or alcohol or drugs. And when all you have seen and felt is negativity, it can be really difficult to break that cycle in your life. I spent a lot of my 20s lamenting what I was not given as a kid and letting it adversely shape my decisions and my confidence level. And then around 30... I realized that focusing on the grief was getting me nowhere except more of the same of what I was trying to run from. But this isn't always conscious, right? It sometimes just subtly becomes part of the story we repeatedly tell ourselves. We use our childhoods as an excuse for where we are or aren't in our life and for everything that is wrong. But now, finally at 40, I look back and I realize... I wouldn't change a thing. My crappy childhood made me tougher and more resilient and work harder. It made me appreciative of what I have now and softer towards other people. I was not handed things or happiness on a silver platter, and I'm grateful because it pushed me to become a better person than I might have been. So the next time you want to use what happened to you as a kid as an excuse— Turn that thought on its head. Instead, embrace your past, the good, the bad, and the ugly. Use it to inspire you. Use it to know exactly what you do not want to repeat. Use it to have more empathy, or like our next guest, use it as creative material. Coming up is the woman of the century who put her shocking childhood to work for her in her best-selling books, in her poetry, and the way she has embraced and conducted her entire life the one and only Miss Maya Angelou. You're listening to The Kathleen Show, and during the break, be sure to check us out online at thekathleenshow.com. Welcome back to the studio. I'm Kathleen Slattery Moscow, and this is the program where we shake things up and say hell no to the status quo. And my next guest has been shaking things up her entire life and is truly one of the most gorgeous human beings in our midst. And I'm going to try not to get choked up uh, through this whole thing. Maya Angelou is a poet, an award-winning writer, a journalist, an activist, a performer, a dancer, an actress, a director, and a teacher. She is also a three-time Grammy Award 
winner for her autobiographical spoken word recordings. In 1993, Meyer recited her poem called On the Pulse of Morning at President Clinton's inauguration. Since 2006, she has been hosting a weekly radio program on the Oprah and Friends channel. Maya has over 30 literary titles to her name, including her best-selling book, I Know Why the Caged Bird Sings, and most recently, Letter to My Daughter. Maya Angelou, welcome to the program. Thank you very, very much, Kathleen. I'm delighted to be on the program. So who is Letter to My Daughter to, and why did you write it? Well, first off, as you and I know you've done your homework, so you know I have I've given birth to no daughter. Right. But and I have the greatest thing that ever happened to me is the birth of my son. However, as good as he is, and he's the best, he's not a daughter. <laughs> and <laughs> and so it's been my good fortune to find a lot of young women and some older ones who allowed me to mother them. And uh, they are black young women and older, white young women and older, some Asians and some Spanish-speaking, um, some gay, some straight. I've just found a lot of young women who, who think I know a thing or two and, uh, and that I can speak for them. It's a wonderful, uh, a wonderful gift. So this, I wanted to, I mean, as soon as I approached my 80th birthday, I started thinking about this letter to my daughter. If I could write a letter or a series of letters about various things which have happened to me and the lessons I've learned from those events. In the book, I try not to say what lessons I've learned, but I do say, I do uh, say what things have happened, certain events have occurred. I, do, I have not said what I learned because I know that women are resourceful, individual, distinct. And so what I learned from one thing, you uh, will learn something else from it. The same thing. And what you learn today may be different from what you learn reading the same thing in 2010. Isn't that the truth? It's all about kind of where you are, you know, in your own journey at that moment when you're taking this in. Yes, exactly. So I enjoyed writing it. I, I had started about 20 years ago writing some suggestions and and some ideas to Oprah. Um, just when I think about certain things, I'd make a note. And then when I was writing on poetry or, or, writing, or composing a little piece of music or something, I'd make a note, and I have a big box called WIP, Work in Progress. <laughs> <laughs> some whole sheets with just about four words on them. And some two or three pages, densely, densely printed. Um, I pulled them out last year and started looking, and I thought, you know, uh, there are essays in, 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 in some of these little ideas. So I thought, let me write them. And then as I wrote them, I realized this, this is the letter to my daughter. 
You know, towards the end of Letter to My Daughter, you tell a story of meeting of a meeting you attended with a Mr. Wilkerson who made you repeat yes. the words "God loves me" several times. Yes. And yes. you go you go on to say, after about the seventh repetition, I became nervous and thought there might be a little truth in the statement. There was a possibility that God really did love me, me, Maya Angelou. I suddenly began to cry at the gravity and grandeur of it all. I knew that if God loved me, I could do wonderful things. I could try great things, learn anything, achieve anything. That knowledge humbles me today, melts my bones, closes my ears, and makes my teeth rock loosely in my gums. And it also liberates me. Yes. Can you, what role has faith played in your life? Uh, that's such a wonderful question. I, only because I've been just using it about a half hour ago, uh, looking at faith and and knowing uh, that I don't have faith all the time. I mean, there may be those people who never question. But, you know, I'm a human being. God made me. So I have a lot of questions. And sometimes I wonder, is there a God? And then, as soon that that makes me so nervous. I run straight <laughs> to God. And I say, you better be careful. <laughs> I almost didn't believe in you for a minute there. <laughs> and I'm reminded of the, of the uh, apostles and the various prophets who say, I believe. Father, forgive my disbelief. You know, I, I, I'm i so glad, though, that you're so honest about it. Do you know how comforting it is to hear that? Because I think it's something all of us wrestle with, but very few people want to admit. I know, and, and I think that just makes us more human. It just shows that, that we are more alike than we are unalike. I mean, I'm trying to be a Christian. I'm working at it. And I'm always amazed when people walk up to me and offer me their hands and say, I'm a Christian. I think, already? <laughs> already got it? Wow. I think it is. It's like, it's like trying to be a Jew or a Muslim, a Buddhist, a Shintoist, a Confucianist. It's not something you achieve and then you sit back and, you know, cross your feet and, and say, I really got it now. I don't have to do it anymore. I think it's, it's a process. There's a, a, a song which is, and they'll know we are Christians by our love. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They'll know whatever I am, that I'm it by the way I comport myself, how I treat you, my courtesy with you, my idea that I'm civil, and civil has something really to do civil rights. I think everybody deserves civility. You know, I, I, I want to say that as, you know, where I really got to know you better was on your radio show, Oprah and Friends, because everything you're talking about right now, you extend, you're so, you're the most gracious person that I've ever listened to. And it's been a lesson for me, but you're, you know, just an example that you're, you're really, Walk in the talk, and uh, I've really appreciated listening to you on that on that program. Well, I thank you. You interest me too. Now that that, that I know your second last name are two names, right? Is, is that clarity? 
Slattery. So it's Slattery, which is Irish. So yes. <laughs> I've got some Irish blood. <laughs> and Latka, which is Russian, too. Which, which is actually German. So my husband's German. So, yeah, it's an interesting combination with lots yes. of beer involved. You know? <laughs> <laughs> and Kathleen is very Irish. So very Irish. Right, yes. right. So I want to ask, this is one thing that so interests me about you. I want to ask about your writing process, because yes. what I've read about it, it seems to play a big outcome in the honesty of your your writing. Can you tell us a little bit more about your ritual? Well, I uh, I keep a room in a hotel in my town. And... Uh, when I'm working, and I, I rent it by the month, uh, nobody has the right to enter the room once I really take it. I have all the photographs and art pieces or whatever they're called uh, taken off the wall and taken out. Um, the only thing in the room is a bed, a table, and a chair. And I put in it a Bible, Roger's Thesaurus, uh, a dictionary, uh, some playing cards, and a good bottle of sherry. A bottle of good sherry. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. (laughs) And I go to my room about 5.30 or 6 in the morning. Um, And I try to to convince myself, enchant myself, away from the known, so I can suspend myself from belief. And uh, then I try to immerse myself into the time I'm writing about, so I am fully there. And then I can smell the aroma of that particular time. I mean, it's really enchantment and, and magic and a lot of prayerful sort of dancing. And, and finally, finally, after a half hour, maybe an hour, the language comes and sits in my hand. I write everything and I have yellow pads and pens. And I work. And I try to work until about midday. And then I go home and take a shower because writing is hard work. And although I wouldn't have had a shower in the morning, I need another when I get home. And then I try to pretend that I'm normal. And I go to the supermarket. Oh, my housekeeper and I would make some wonderful dishes for dinner. And so I try to operate in the familiar. I, I say, how do you do? And and that. And I wear clothes that button up or zip up or something. Put shoes on. But the truth is, I'm not fit company for man or beast. I really am not. I'm, I'm still in that room and listening to that language, the language of English. So beautiful. Oh, there's so many places I want to go with this. I mean, because you're renowned for very honest writing and you know, sharing pieces of yourself that most can't or won't do. Do you ever wrestle with whether to share or admit something? Because I've been so um, 
you've swept me off my feet sometimes with your with your honesty and and how far you're willing to go. But I know this. I know that uh, human beings are more alike than we are unalike. And if you don't admit it, and I do. It doesn't mean you don't understand what I'm talking about. You just don't want to admit it. That's all. Right. So, so I do. I know that there is nothing human that can be alien to me. I know that. And, and uh, the statement was made by Terence. Homo sum, humani nihila me alienum puto. I am a human being. Nothing human can be alien to me. But now, I know that. So if I write about something that is unpleasant, um, that doesn't keep the uh, accolades of, of support and, and laud- laudatory words on, on my behalf, but whatever it is, there are other human beings who have done the same thing, or wanted to, or will do. So if I use it, I'm using it to say this happened to me. I am a human being, and this is how how I responded to it. And so even those who can't admit that it has happened to them, in the privacy of their boudoirs or their studies, they have to say, oh, God, it happened to me just like that. It, it's so true. There are moments when I'd be reading your sentences that I would have to glance away from the page because you, you nailed it. You hit something that I wasn't expecting and had buried so deep. But we have to take a very quick break, but we'll be right back with Maya Angelou. Don't look so surprised to see me. You never wanted much. It's so fun and nice to be here Oh, how you do and such I've battled out since I hit the ground I was spinning like a fool I've figured out since you cut me down With oh, honesty, honesty You're looking so sublime They tell me Welcome back. This is Kathleen Slattery Moscow, and I'm continuing my conversation with Maya Angelou. And we've been talking about Maya's spellbinding life and her monumental body of work, including her most recent book, Letter to My Daughter. Maya, I know you've lived this long and glorious life, but I just, it's, it's re- when you're reading through your body of work, it's so hard to fathom how you turned out, you know, the quantity and the quality and the breadth of work that you have. I mean, you know, between the writing and the performing and the teaching. I mean, did you ever imagine that you would do all these things? Well, not originally. No, I thought, I was going to be a very successful real estate broker. <laughs> <laughs> and I was going to have uh, 
alligator shoes and the matching alligator purse. And then I was going to have suede gloves, and they would come just to the wrist where there would be a nice little pearl button. Oh, I knew I was going to dress. I wanted a, a Chanel takeoff. I didn't expect that I'd really want to, you know, even afford to buy a Chanel. You but know, I knew a lot of seamstresses who could make me a Chanel looking suit. Well, it's those the imagination in those details that make you such a fabulous writer. <laughs> I'd like to ask, okay, what would you like to say to that little girl in Stamps, Arkansas? Continue. I'd like to say that to you as well. Continue. Continue to live your life with as much courtesy, as much elan, as much fervor and civility as possible. And realize that civility is one of the civil rights that we should be able to share with each other, to speak to each other with respect and gentleness and courtesy. Yes, continue. Continue to realize that there's nobody higher than you. There can be nobody more human than you. And nobody beneath you. Know that. There's nobody, no human being less human than you. So there's no reason for you to have your nose up in the air. Just be an honest, sincere human being trying to be the best you can in competition with no other person. Amen. You have this beautiful show on Oprah and Friends, and it was there, as I mentioned earlier, that I came to know you and wanted to know so much more. Can you briefly touch on your friendship with Oprah? I know you mentioned it before briefly, but I know that many times she's credited you as her mentor. Oh, she's a she's a wonderful, wonderful spirit, wonderful brain, and she's a she's courageous. I just I love her and I admire her. I'm very careful about what I say to her because I know that she's going to listen to it and pull it apart and use what she can of it. And if she can't <laughs> use any of it, she just puts it aside. I don't know if later on she goes back to examine. But but uh, she's wise beyond her years. And that makes it easy to talk to her. And I have a lot of daughters, but she's one of those and one of the few who gave herself to me as a daughter. And I have the Black Rose, my brother's first child, who is also a daughter, and a woman in Ghana. They, those are the three. I thought at one time, if I could have daughters, those would be the three principal daughters. And then Jessica Mitford, who is, was a sister friend of mine, she died, and I'm it's still breaking my heart. And she has a daughter. And she gave her daughter to me. So it just so happens that I have a few that just cling. They they sit on my lap and on my shoulder, whether they know it or not. And the composer and singer, 
uh, Valerie Simpson. She's one that just sits in the crack of my arm. So, <laughs> so there, there they are. Maya, I want to thank you so much for your time today and your, you, your warmth and your candor. I'll never forget this. Thank you, Kathleen. God bless your heart and the hearts of your listeners, your audience. That was the great Maya Angelou, and you can find out more about Maya and her latest book, Letter to My Daughter, at mayaangelou.com or at our site, thekathleenshow.com. And if you haven't already read it, I also highly encourage you to read Maya's first masterpiece, I Know Why the Cage Bird Sings. Don't touch that dial because we'll be right back. Hello, this is Kathleen. It's been so much fun to pull some of these beautiful interviews from our archives. In total, we've selected 50 past interviews to re-release, and we will be recording and posting new episodes as well each week. You can help us out a ton by subscribing to the podcast, and if it's on your heart, please also leave a review and share the episodes you love with everyone you know. And finally, if you are interested in the yoga and meditation aspects of my work, those are the aspects that are instrumental to who I am as a person. If you are interested in yoga and meditation, please check out my online video series, Yoga for Beginners, where I teach you the fundamentals of several key poses in yoga. You will learn step-by-step what to do and what not to do in each pose, and you will walk away feeling capable about your ability to do yoga. And you are always welcome to come to Madison, Wisconsin and spend some time doing yoga at my studio, which is called The Studio. We offer a full array of daily classes as well as yoga teacher training. The studio really is a breathtaking and life-changing sort of place. Come visit us anytime. Thanks, everyone.